Baldik. Okay, amazing. Here we go. Today's daf is daf Pei Dalid in Meseches Yavamis, page 84. We're starting a brand new parak, the ninth parak of Yavamis, a beautiful parak. And the truth is, we've already received the introduction because a lot of it is a continuation of the last parak. We're going to discuss uh, marriages which are valid, marriages which, which are invalid, how that, how that translates into the ability for a spouse to eat truma, so on and so forth, concepts that we are familiar with. Okay, so the, we're going to start with the Mishnah and the new parak. It's a long Mishnah. It's going to take us towards the bottom of the Amud. And it's really a, a fascinating, fascinating Mishnah with a lot of concepts that we'll be familiar with. So let's take this one step at a time and see if we can figure out the logic for ourselves. Let's go. There are some women who are allowed to marry their husbands, but they are forbidden to the Yavama. So if their husband were to die childless, even though they were in a permitted relationship with their husband, they cannot marry their Yavam. You can think of an example of that? Try to think. So let, the mission is going to give us some examples. Let's just think for ourselves. Just, just to get our minds working. Well, remember, Yibum is for paternal brothers. What happens if the Yavam is a mamzer? Right? So the husband could be a legitimate child. But what if his brother comes from the same father who had who had an affair while he was with a married woman. Mm-hmm. So they share fathers, so she's a Yavama, but she's forbidden because the moms are, right? Mm-hmm. So the Mishra will give even more examples than this. The Mishra will, uh, will give more examples, but th- that's just to get the juices flowing, okay? So here we go. Here we go. Mutaros of mayhem. There are going to be women that are permitted to the Yavam, and be forbidden to the man they're currently married to, which means it was a permitted, ma- it, it was a valid marriage to their husbands, but they just weren't allowed to do it. Okay, now to the yavam is going to be okay. And again, just start using your imagination. Maybe that's something to do with a kohen. Maybe maybe her current husband's a mamzer and his brother's not a mamzer. Okay, we'll see. The mission is going to give us. That's what this mission is all about. Just examples. There are some women who are permitted both to their husbands and to the Yavam. That's quite simple. That'll be pretty straightforward, right? You have people doing the right thing and marrying the right people. And you'll have situations where you have valid marriages, but the wife really was forbidden to get into that marriage, and she's going to be forbidden to the husband as well. All right, which we could already give an example. Both brothers are mom's harem, something like that. Okay, here we go. Says the Mishnah to give examples. The The following women are permitted to their husbands, but if their husband dies childless, they're not allowed to marry their brother. Here they are. Kohen Hadyot, Shenasa Asamana. You have a regular Kohen who marries a widow. Anything wrong with that marriage? Totally fine. Totally fine. However, he dies childless, and guess what happens? Ooh, he's got His brother's a Kohen Gadol. So now the Yavam, the Kohen Gadol, is not allowed to marry the wife because she's a widow. Beautiful. Okay? Amazing. Okay, here we go. Cholol. What if you have a Kohen who's a Cholol? Now, here's a fascinating halacha, which the Gemara is going to get into. Any woman who a Cholol, a Cholol is a child of a Kohen from an illegitimate marriage. 
the halach is if a halal has relations with a woman, that woman takes on the halala status. All right? So here's what happens. You have a halal shenasa kshira. You have a halal that marries a kshira. It's totally fine, right? A halal can marry a regular Yisraelis, but now here's the deal. Since she's also taking on the status of a halala now, and he has a brother who's a regular kohen, so she cannot marry the kohen. Why? Because a regular Kohen is not allowed to marry a woman who's already in the state of Halala, as we've said previously, right? Amongst Ashkenazim, the last name Kohn very often means you're a Kohen. We actually had somebody in our shul whose last name was Khan, and he was actually not a Kohen. So Jonathan Spetner used to call him Ain Khan Kohen. Ain Khan Kohen. Khan's not a Kohen. All right. But be it as it may. You have a, a halal who marries a halal. That was fine. But now this woman's a halal, so she cannot marry the yavam. The, uh, uh, oh, so how did I get on to that? Because uh, uh, Ashkenaz, very often going to be Kohen or Katz. Katz stands for Kohen Tzedek. In the Sephardic community, the last name, as we've said previously, of Azulai, Azulai is also an expression of a Kohen because it's an acronym. The first letters of the words Isha, Zona, Vichalala lo yikahu, Azulai, Isha, Zona, Vichalala yikahu, a woman who's a Zona and a Chalala lo yikahu, a Kohen cannot marry. This reminds themselves, this, that's where the last name comes from, reminds themselves of who they're allowed to marry. So a Kohen cannot marry a, a regular Kohen cannot marry a Chalala. A Chalal, so a Chalal had, had marriage with this woman, she, that was fine, but now the brother is not allowed to marry her. Yisrael Shanasa Bas Yisrael the Also, if you have a regular Yisrael who marries a regular Yisraelis, and he has a brother who's a mamzer, so the original marriage is totally fine. But the Yavama cannot marry the brother because the brother's a mamzer. Okay, mamzer Shanasa Mamzeres. But what about this? I'll tell you another case where she's permitted to the husband and forbidden to the brother. You ready? A mamzer marries a mamzeres. Incredible, no problem. However, his brother's legit. So if the mamzer dies childless, his wife is going to become a Yavama to a regular Yisrael, Givaldic. She cannot marry him. Okay. All these situations permitted to the husbands of and forbidden to the Yavama. Okay, I think we should all be, I think, yeah, let, let me know if these, these further clarification of the Maisa. Very, an incredible list. Yeah, but again, following the halachas that we are already familiarized with. Here we go. Then the Mishnah said, Now we're going to have a category of women who are permitted to their yavam, but forbidden to the husband. Here we go. Valid marriage. You have a Kohen Gadol marries a widow. Forbidden, but valid. Then the Kohen Gadol dies childless. And his brother is a standard Kohen. So think about it. The Kohen Gadol married a widow. Then he dies. So she's a double widow. Can she marry the Kohen Gadol's brother? Yeah. She's just, she's still a widow. And a Kohen's allowed to marry a widow, so there's no problem with that marriage. Excellent. Kosher. Or if you have a regular Kohen who's a Kosher, who, who in a forbidden way marries a Halala. Valid marriage, but forbidden. So, he dies childless. The Kohen has a brother who's already a Halal. Since he has a brother who's already a Halal, okay? So, the brother's allowed to marry the Avama. Because it's a cholo marrying a chalala, which is no problem. Next case. Yisrael shenosim amzeres. Forbidden but valid. Again, a regular Yisrael marries a mamzeres. V'yesh mamzer. His brother's a mamzer. Yeah? So the yavama can marry the yavam. Because now you have two mamzerim. 
Okay. Next case. Mamzer shenosu bas Yisrael. What if the man was a mamzer who married a bas Yisrael? That was forbidden but valid. And then he dies childless. So she's a regular Jewess. She's a regular Yisraelis. So and his brother is a regular yid. He's not his brother's not a mamzer. So now, if if the brother were to do yibum, you have a regular Yisro marrying a widowed Yisraelis. There's no issue with that. There's no problem. Mutaros liyevmeim and all these. These are all situations where you're permitted to the avam the asuras lebaleim, but forbidden to the husband. Beautiful. Next category of the Mishnah. Please stop me if there's any un- uncertainty in, within each case. All right. The ilu asuras the ilu the following women are going to be for, are forbidden both to their husbands and to the oven. Now again, when we say forbidden to the husband, we're talking about it's going to be a valid marriage. But it's going to be forbidden to the husband and the oven. Here we go. Kohen Gadol Shenosa Esalmana. A Kohen Gadol marries a widow. Is that allowed? No. Ach Gadol. You hear this? Incredible. Incredible. The Kohen Gadol marries a widow. Forbidden. He dies childless. And his brother's also a Kohen Gadol. Wow. Wow. Let me ask you a question. How's it possible? I have two people. Someone's disqualified. Huh? Someone's disqualified. Very good. So the halacha is that if you have a Kohen Gadol that becomes impure. So what they would do is they would set up a substitute Kohen Gadol. And then when the original Kohen Gadol um, purified himself, he would get his job back. But the substitute Kohen Gadol had to keep all the stringencies of a Kohen Gadol. So what they do, one Kohen Gadol became Tomei, and they, they inserted his brother for two weeks, we'll say. So now the, the substitute brother also is going to be forbidden to marry a widow. So the, here's another case where you have two Kohanim Gedolim um, with a widow who falls, going to be usher to both. Okay, fine. Or... You're going to have a, uh, a Kohen. Okay, now why is a regular Kohen forbidden to her? Because since the Kohen Gogol was Usser, she's now, go- she's now called a Halala, oh. and she's going to be Usser to him anyway. So interestingly, the backup Kohen Gogol is going to be forbidden to her for two reasons. First of all, because she's a Halala, and second of all, because he's a Kohen Gogol. Double whammy. All right. Kasher shenasa Halala v'yeshloi ach kasher. What if you have a regular Kohen who marries a Halala? Not allowed. And he has a... Bro- so she becomes a Halala. I'm sorry, um, he, uh, a regular Kohen marries a Halala. No, this, she's always been a Halala. And he has a brother who's a regular Kohen. So can his brother who's a Kohen marry this Halala? No. She's forbidden to the original husband and forbidden to the Yavam. Yisrael shenasa mamzeres yeshli aki Yisrael. Or if you have a case of a regular Yisrael who marries a mamzeres. Can he do that? No. He dies childless. She now, this, this uh, mamzeres is now the Yavama of his brother. Can the brother do Yibam? No, because she's Mamzeris. So she's forbidden to the husband and to the other. Mamzer shenosa bas Yisrael v'yeshlei ach Mamzer. What if you have two brothers who are Mamzerim? Mamzer, number one, Reuven, marries a woman and dies childless. The Yavama is now falling to another Mamzer, so she's forbidden to both. Asurais le'ilu le'ilu. These are cases where you have a woman who's forbidden both to her husband and to the Yavam. Ushar kolanoshim. And this is going to have to be explained because this is a very broad statement. Any other woman, mutarsla baleim le'evmeim. Any other woman is permitted to her husband and to the Yavam. If, seemingly, if it doesn't fall into these categories that we mentioned. Now there's obviously other exceptions. The Gemara is going to have to tackle this. Tackle this statement. Okay. 
Here we go. Now the Mishnah, to, to uh, start wrapping up this idea, is going to tell us that, you know, all the cases that we just mentioned are really biblical transgressions. Even though it's valid, the Torah says, a Kohen Gadol cannot marry a widow. A Mamzer cannot marry a Yisrael. Right? So on and so forth. A Kohen cannot marry a Halala. Fine. That's all biblical. Now, two months ago, Daf Chaf Chafalif 2021, we learned that there's a concept called Shneos Arayas, secondary Arayas, which means the same way the Torah says, I'm forbidden to marry my father's wife. I'm not allowed to have relations with my father's wife. Shneos is the rabbi's extended Arayas. They extended the prohibition to the next generation. And they said it applies even to your grandfather's wife. Right? So on and so forth. That's about certain things, specific categories, we call Shneos Arayas, are forbidden rabbinically. Biblically, they're fine. Rabbinically, they're not. So what the mission is going to do now is just go through cases where there's a rabbinical problem as opposed to within the marriages to the husband or the of them, as opposed to biblical. Now, I want to add one more tidbit to this. One more little piece before we, before we learn it inside. And that is, you know, when something is only forbidden rabbinically, you do need to keep in mind the biblical reality. So, if you have a, a yavama that falls to a yavam, where biblically it's fine, but rabbinically it's not. Okay? Biblically it's fine, rabbinically not. Biblically, is there a bond? Yeah. Because biblically there's no problem. But rabbinically you're just not allowed to get married. Because the rabbis say. But you have to take the biblical reality into, into account. There is a biblical bond here. You just can't get married. <clears throat> okay? So what would we do in that scenario? We're going to say, always do chalitza. You can't do yibam because you're transgressing rabbinically if you do the yibam. So all, but, but there is a bond, so in order to break the bond, we're always going to say, do chalitza. Okay? Now, if that was too vague, let's go tackle this inside the Mishnah. Says the Mishnah. Shneos medivrei sofim. These secondary arayas that the rabbis added on. So let's go through it. Shneos lebal v'lai shneos liyavam. What happens if you have a woman who is going to be rabbinically forbidden to her husband? Biblically allowed, but rabbinically forbidden. But she's not even rabbinically forbidden to the Yavah. Okay, now I'll tell you what Rashi says here. Rashi gives us a classic example. Rashi says, you know, Yibum, again, is paternal. It's through the father. Now, if you have Reuven and Shimon are paternal brothers... Reuven marries his, his uh, grandmother. That's a Shneel Arayas. Now, how's this Reuven's grandmother and not Shimon's grandmother? Because it's Reuven's grandmother through his mother. It's Reuven's mother's mother. Shimon has a different mother. Shimon has the same father as Reuven. Shimon has a different mother. Is Shimon in any way, shape, or form forbidden to Reuven's grandmother? No. Right? There's no, I'm not related to her. It's my half-brother's grandmother. So if Reuven marries his grandmother, that is a rabbinic prohibition. His maternal grandmother. Rabbinic prohibition. And then Reuven dies childless. Shimon, Shimon 
is now going to have a bond to a woman who his brother was rabbinically forbidden to. So here we go. She's a Shnia Lebao. She was a secondary erva to her husband, but there's no issue with the other. So what are we going to say? Asura Lebao. She's forbidden to her husband, as we know rabbinically. Umuteres Lebao. There is Yibum. She's permitted to the Yavam. You hear this? Seems to be even with full-fledged Yibum. You don't even need to do Chalitza. Because Shimon and his, and his half-brother's grandmother, there's no connection. Okay? So he could do Yibum. What happens? However, if let's say Reuven marries Shimon's maternal grandmother. So there was no problem there. Right? Shimon married his half-brother's maternal grandmother, which was totally allowed. So then what's going to happen? You ready? She's usher. If she falls to to Shimon, her grandson, she's forbidden to the Yavam, Umu Teres Labal. And her original marriage was totally fine. Incredible. Now, he's going to have to do Chalitza. He's going to have to do Chalitza though. Because it's only a rabbinic prohibition to the Yavam. Shniya Lezeo Lezeo. What if she was a secondary Arias to both the husband and the, and the, and the Yavam? Okay. So the halacha is asura lezeh ulezeh. She's going to be aser midrabanan to either one. And let me what's that? She still the chalitza. That's right. Okay. Forbidden, but you do chalitza. Very good. Now says the Mishnah, Ain, you should know. Whenever you have a marriage that's rabbinically prohibited, listen to the following additional laws. Ain la like ksuba. She does not get a ksuba. She's not entitled to a ksuba. Not entitled to a ksuba. If it's a forbidden marriage, no, no entitlement to ksuba. Velay Paris. And also, there's no, uh, the, uh, there's no Paris. Paris is that if a woman brings land into a marriage as nechse melug, the husband is allowed to use the produce, but that produce really needs to be used for his, hu- for his wife's advantage. So for example, if, her, if, her wife, if his wife is ever captured, he's obligated to use the, finan- the finances of that produce to go... Take care of her. So that's what it means. She doesn't get payros, meaning there's no there's no regular marriage financial marriage obligations. And also, the husband's not obligated mezaynus. In general, a husband's obligated in what we call sheerksus vaona. You're obligated to take care of your wife's clothing, your wife's food, and to give your wife time and attention according to according to one's abilities. There's no obligation here. Vilay blois nor um, is there the obligation of worn out garments? What does it mean, worn out garments, that things got, uh, got used up? And that is that if a woman brings something into a marriage and it, during the term of the marriage, things kind of lost their value. So in general, the husband's going to be obligated to give it back, the value that it went down. Over here, you're not going to... It's another example of a lack of financial obligation on behalf of the husband, the Havlad Kosher. But even though we're saying all these things, listen... The bottom line is, if they have a child that comes from a rabbinic prohibition as opposed to a biblical prohibition, um, the, the child's still allowed to marry into Klal Yisrael. We don't consider the kid to be a mamzer when somebody, is a, when somebody has relations with a rabbinic prohibition. And besides for that, we force the couple to separate. 
force them to separate. We force them to to uh, divorce. Okay. Um, so that's all by rabbinic prohibitions. Almana the Kohen Gadol. What about a case where a Kohen Gadol marries an Almana? Is that that's a biblical problem? Now, even though it's a biblical problem, it's a valid marriage. We call it a marriage, right? Again, there are certain things that are not a marriage. We live in a society where people call same gender marriages marriages. That's not a marriage. You can make a chuppah. You can put a ring. A, a woman could put a ring on her another woman's finger and say harayat mikudeshasli. A man could put a ring on another man's finger and say harayat ta mikudeshasli. Whatever they say, I don't know what they're saying. Okay, but whatever they say, is that a marriage? No. No such thing. It doesn't say in the Torah. You're making up a 614th thing. There's no such thing. The Torah says, when a man takes a woman, a woman taking a woman, a man taking a man. It's not valid. Nothing happened. Now, there are other biblical transgressions where something did happen. If a Kohen Gadol were to put a ring on a widow's finger, that is valid. It's prohibited, but valid. Okay? If I put a ring on my mother's finger, I'm not married. doesn't matter. I'm not married. But a Kohen uh, Gadol is bad. Grush of a chalutz going headed, or a divorcee, or a chalutz of the regular kohen mamzeres and nesin yisrael, nor mamzeres and nesin marries yisrael, bas yisrael lunasun lemamzer yesh lahem ksuva. Interestingly, you ready for this? Incredible. As opposed to the original rabbinic prohibition, we said there's no ksuba by these biblical by these biblical prohibitions. It's a valid marriage, and the husband is in fact going to be obligated in a ksuba. Incredible. We're going to learn tomorrow. Why there's a difference between by rabbinic things they lose the ksuba, but by a, you're going to have a biblical transgression and you hold on to the ksuba. It's incredible, incredible stuff. Okay, here we go. Fine. Let's give a quick overview again. Let's give a quick overview. What did we just learn in the Mishnah? So the Mishnah told us a list of situations where you have a woman who is permitted to her husband, forbidden to the yavam. And then it gave us cases where she's permitted to the yavam and forbidden to her husband. And then we gave cases where a woman's going to be forbidden to either one, and then we said other types of women are permitted, no problem. Fine. Then the Mishnah ends off with a seemingly a second discussion and tells us there's a difference between a couple getting involved in a rabbinic prohibition marriage and a biblical prohibition marriage as far as the financial obligations of the husband. Okay? Quick overview, beautiful. Let's get into the Gemara. Here we go. My area, the Tani Nasa. Why did the Mishnah say, um, you know, when um, oh, a woman who marries? Why did I say a woman who marries? Listen, Kidesh. You should use the word Kidesh. Now, what's the difference between um, uh, Nasa and Kidesh? So, we know this, but let's, ex- let's express this. Within Torah law, there's two stages of how a marriage consummates, of how a marriage develops. Step number one is the acquisition. The acquisition. A woman sells her rights to marriage to the husband. That is called kedushin. Okay, that's called kedushin. That's step number one. Well, either kedushin, erusin, you're an arus, fine. Then there's step number two, which is actually moving in and living as husband and wife. That is called Nesuin. The Gemara is bothered why the Mishnah says, if you have Nesuin between a Kohen and a, 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 a Gerusha, right? 
isn't it prohibited as soon as you acquire her? Acquire her rights? Says the Gemara, if you're going to say, time at the Nasa, why the, the Mishnah used the word Nasa, because by a widow to a coin Godol, there's both a transgression of a low sase. Why? Because it says he's not allowed to take her. But you're also transgressing an sase because when the Kohen Gadol is obligated, it says you have to actively take a basula. You have to actively take a virgin. So there's a both, there's a, a double transgression, which we find, interestingly, very often in the Torah. There's, there are, like for example, the Torah says, Ager yasom va'amana lo sa'anon. Do not harass a convert, an orphan, or a widow. Do not harass them with words, financially. Obvious question is, <laughs> Elsewhere, the terrorist says, You're not allowed to do it to anybody. You're not allowed to harass anybody. You're not allowed to hurt people with words. Why does the terrorist need to say elsewhere, Oh, Gary Osman Mano is on it. It's already prohibited. You know what the answer is? There's an additional prohibition. There's times where there's Baruch who says, Yeah, you're going to be, it's a double whammy. You got to do double chuvo there. Right? There's gonna, it's going to be more extreme. Okay. So, by Kong, although you're transgressing a low say and say, Avokides, but let's say he just puts a ring on her finger, which. He's not allowed to acquire her, but he does. I would say that maybe the assay of Yibum should push aside the los assay of don't marry a Kohen Gadol, should not marry a widow. Because in general, a positive commandment pushes aside negative commandments. A positive commandment of Yibum should push aside the negative commandment of uh, marrying a widow. The Hakula Pirkin, and this would apply to our whole parak. So the bottom line is, says Gemara, we're back to our original question, and that is, why does the Mishnah say that a Kohen, that a Kohen was Nasa, the Kohen Gadol was Nasa, the Amana that he did in the Suin, it could have just as well said Averson. Says Gemara, I'll tell you why we use the word in the Suin, classic Gemara answer, we're trying to stay consistent with the expressions as we move on in the Mishnah. What did the Mishnah go on to say? Kohen Gadol, Shnasa, Salman, Kohen Gadol, Marries in Almana Davka Nasa when he was Nasa when he did Nasuin to an Almana Dishav Yochalala. Once they have relations, when the Kohen Gadol has relations with the widow, she becomes a Chalala. However, let's say you have a Kohen Gadol who marries, acquires the widow, but they never had relations yet. So he now dies childless she would be permitted to his brother. You know why? Because she never earned the status, earned in quotations, the status, not in a good way, the status of a halala. She becomes a status of a halala when she had intercourse with the Kayan Gadol. If she ever had intercourse and he just acquired her, granted he already transgressed. But, Lachorah, there should still be Yibam. So, Taninami Reishan Nasa, therefore since we had to use the word Nasa in the Seifa, we use the word Nasa, staying consistent with the expression in the Reisha as well. Vatatani Mishum Seifa, says Yigmar, but in the Seifa as well. Well, this that we said in the Seifa Nasa, listening Mishum Mitziyaza, why don't we, why, why instead of answering, you know, go all the way to the end of the Mishnah, let's go to the second case of the Mishnah. It says, Kain Gadol Shkidah says, Amon of Yeshle Yachkain Yadyad, A Kain Gadol that was Mekadesh Niyamana, he acquired her, and he's got a brother's Kain Yadyad, so use the word Kidesh. Ah, you're telling me, in other words, like this. We gave an answer, you know why it says Nasa and the Reisha? Because it's got to say Nasa and the Seifa. Well, guess what? In the middle it said Kidesh. So we add this. So why don't we say Kidesh and the Reisha? The same we're saying Kidesh in the middle. Elamishum, Bas, Rather, you know why? We're, we're moving off of our answer. And we're saying the reason why we use the word, um, we use the word Nasa in the Reisha as opposed to Kidesh 
because of Bas Bukba. But because of Bas Bukba. Okay. What is Bas Bukba? So here we go. Let's explain. The Kaboy Lemisni, the Mishnah says, Cholol Shenosa Kshiru. A Cholol who marries a regular woman. Taima Denosia Deshavya Cholol. The reason why she became a Cholola is because they had Nesuin, they had relations. But because of Kedushin, she would still be permitted to the husband. Therefore, in the beginning also, it says Nasa. What does that mean? So let's just, let's just uh, explain what this answer is. Bas Buxa is an expression of um, a next door neighbor. A next door neighbor. Over here, that's a, uh, it's, it's, um, I guess the best word is expression. It's letting us know, uh, a next door neighbor is the next halacha in the Mishnah. We're calling halachas neighboring ideas. So since the Mishnah says, when a cholo, the husband, the, the Kohen Zichol, he marries a regular woman, okay? And that was fine. When a cholo marries a regular woman, a cholo is allowed to marry a regular woman. The problem is he's got a brother who's a full-fledged Kohen. So he's going to be permitted, that's the case where she's permitted to her husband, but once she has Nisuin with her husband, she's going to become forbidden to the Yavam. Why? Only because of Nisuin. Ah, because if they would just have Erison, she never gained the status of a Chalala. Since the, the next door neighbor, Halacha, of a Chalala marrying a regular woman had to be Nasa, so too in the ratio we use the word Nasa. Okay. Says the Gemara. Umay Iria Diktani Almana. Why did the Mishnah have to give a case of a Kohen Gadol who, um, where, where you have a, a Kohen Gadol who a widow falls to him in Yibam? Okay. Listeni Besula. Why don't we say we're dealing with a Besula? Okay, now the Gemara is saying very, very simply a great question. You know, the case was, if you have a Kohen who marries a woman... And his and dies childless, and his brother is a Kohen Gadol. Easy case, easy case, easy case. Kohen marries a woman. Fine, he dies childless. His brother is a Kohen Gadol. Can the Kohen Gadol marry the widow? No. Right? Can't marry the widow because she's a widow. Now, the Gemara is bothered why it has to say. When you had a Kohen that married a widow, ask the Gemara, you don't need the Kohen to marry a widow and then die. You can have a Kohen marry a regular woman and die, and now she's a widow. It's still going to be the same problem to the Kohen Gadol. You understand? You don't, either way, she's, she's now a widow from the first husband. Top of the The first Tana holds that even the, as soon as they got married... That um, that's what causes Yibum to kick in, and therefore Mishnah has to say that since she was completely, since she was already a widow before marrying the Kayin, only then um, are we going to say that she's also to the Yavam. That's not possible. Let's say you have a Cholo again, a Kohen that was Ill- that came from an illegitimate relationship, but he's not a mouth. You have a Kohen that a Cholo that marries a Kshera. So far, there's no problem. We don't say that the Nisuin or the original marriage, causes the Yibum to happen because if that would be true, she would be mutter 
to the Yavam because she never became a Chalala. So, so we have to say that the, the case where the, the Yavama to the Kohengolo was originally a widow is because of the end of the Mishnah, Mishum de Kabayla which states, Kohengolo Shinosa es Almana. If you have a Kohengolo that marries an Almana, if you usually ach Kohengolo, and his brother also has the status of a Kohengolo, Ay Kohengolo, or he's a Kohengolo, and now the woman is a Chalala, Davka Almana. That is only when she was in Almana, because in order for her to be called a Chalala, she has to have been in Almana first. But let's say she had been a Besula, she never had relations, so if she never had relations, she's never going to be a Chalala, and therefore she would be permitted to, if, if one of the, if the Kohen, to the Kohen Hedyat, to the brother who's there waiting for her. And therefore, since in that case we had to call her a widow, therefore in the first case we used the word widow, period. Let's, let's just keep in mind, if anybody's confused over here, to, to, to get these steps down pat, Here's the question, here's the answer. The Gemara had a question. Why do you need a case where a Kohen married a widow, died childless, and then say that widow's usher to the Kohen Gadol? Why don't you just say a Kohen marries a woman, and then he dies, since she's now a widow, she's usher to the Kohen Gadol. Why did you have to say the original Kohen married a widow? Mm-hmm. Of course, the Gemara answers, you're right, we could have. We could have said, it didn't need to be that. But since at the Sefer of the Mishnah, it only applied by a widow, where she was a halala, where she took on the status of a halala, so again, classic, to keep the verbiage, the words, uh, in line with each other, we use the expression of a widow. But granted, it would be a problem even by a regular woman. Okay. Maskiflora of Papa. Now we're going to go back to the last parak. I'm going to go back to the last parak. We're going to get back involved now with... Um, uh, third generation Mitzrim. Remember that? Right? A Mitzri is permitted third generation and we had a whole discussion to the third generation by the father, third generation by the mother. We're going to get back into this again and, and here we go. We're going to quote that Bryce again. Maskefler of Papa, or Papa asked a challenging question. Im Isa, if it's true, Lahadich Yasser of Dimi Amar Bechon, the Serv Dimi says in the name of Bechon on Mitzri, Shani, Shinasa, Mitzri, Shina. If you have a Mitzri Shani, a second generation man, convert Mitzri, who marries a first generation, what do we call the kid? Is the kid now third generation because you follow the father, or second generation because the mother? So, Ravdimi had said, that child is considered second generation. It's not considered a third generation, it's considered second generation. Meaning we're following the mother. Listen, Nami, the Mishnah should have also given the following cases. Mitzri Shani. What about a Mitzri Shani? Shenasa Shtei Mitzriyais. Mitzri Shani, a second generation Mitzri who marries two Mitzriyais. Achas Rishayna Vachas Shnei. One of the women he marries, she herself converted to Judaism. And the other woman, her parents converted to Judaism, so she's a second generation mitzris. Now, both of these marriages are totally valid. Right? He's a mitzri, second generation. He's marrying a first generation and a second generation. And he's got kids from both the first and the second. Now let's think about this. Ah, let's think about this. You ready? 
is incredible. Chevra, listen closely. Mitzri marries Mitzri, two Mitzris. One first and second. They're, each one gives birth to a son. These two sons are Jewish. Agreed. Anybody have a problem with that? Are these two sons Jewish? Yeah. Now one's a third generation Mitzri. One's a second generation. Herzegain, listen closely. The third generation is allowed to marry a regular Yisraelis. So he marries her and kicks the bucket childless. He dies. His wife now falls to Yibum to his brother, who's only a second generation. So that's a case where she was permitted to her husband, but forbidden to the Yavam. Why did we leave this case out? That's going to be the ultimate conversation here and how this comes back. Okay? You got that? Incredible. So here we go. Inos of Kirchayu, if both of these kids marry Alpi Alacha, okay? So, Mutaris the Balema, seriously, man? You're going to have a case. They're permitted to their husbands, but forbidden to the Yibum, as we said. The Epochunasiv, and if they married, you know, in the, uh, if, if they switched it around, meaning let's say each one married in a forbidden way. Let's say the second generation Mitzri married a regular Yisraelis, which he wasn't allowed to do. And the third generation married a second generation, which he wasn't allowed to do because now he's, he's now a regular Yisrael. He's already third generation. He can't marry anymore uh, the, the higher generations. Mutaris lehemem, That's going to be a great case where you're going to be permitted to the Yavam, even though you were forbidden to your husband. Mutaris lehemem, And what's a case where, uh, where uh, uh, a mitzris is going to be permitted to either one? That's talking about a regular giyaris, meaning... A regular convert is allowed to marry, not from a Mitzrayim, is allowed to marry either one. Asuris elu elu islandess. And forbidden to either one is going to be an islandess. You're not allowed to marry the, you're not allowed to marry an islandess because you can't be hukum shame. You can't continue on. You can't have children with her. So the, so the question now is, if it's really true that you follow the generations based upon the case that we gave by the mother, why is this left out of the Mishnah? Sigmar says, ton of a shire. You can figure out a lot of cases, but the Mishnah leaves out, leaves out other cases as well. All right, Sigmar is answering, you're right, this could have been in the Mishnah, but we can't list every case. Sigmar says, well, you're not only going to leave one case out, my shire, the high shire. Give me some other cases that you left out besides for these cases we just proved. Says the Gemara, I'll give you a case. Shire Petsua Daka. We left out a case of Petsua Daka, right? As we said, Petsua Daka uh, is a Saris, is a, considered to be a sterile male. And the Torah says he's not allowed to marry in. So let's say you have a, um, a uh, Petsua Daka who gets married and dies. So she was forbidden to her husband, but she's going to be permitted to the brother who's not a Petsua Daka. He doesn't have a problem with his, uh, with his uh, ability to have children. Says, that's not left out. Because the Tana said, you know, um, anybody who's a, who's a chi of love, a chi of love includes a petzua daka. So it could really be, that's not considered left out if it could be included in that word. No, don't go there. That's not a good answer. Because even though the, the Tana listed you know, any negative transgression, you still went ahead and gave a list of negative transgressions. You don't just mean it to be an all-inclusive list. These are all things that are lavin, but we're still listing it. So says the Gemara, this, these, this should be considered left out of the Mishnah, and Petsuadaka is left out. That's why we left out the case of the Mitzri Shani and so on and so forth.
Okay. Says the Gemara, no. The cases that we listed in the Mishnah are specifically needed to be listed. Ksheris are not warned to marry Psulim. What does that mean, Ksheris? So Rashi explains, if you have a Kehenes, if you have a Kehenes, um, they, Midai Raisa, a woman from a family of Gahanim, Midai Raisa, they're not usher to marry a Cholo. Interesting, right? We said a Cholo who marries a forbidden uh, um, um, it, let's say you have a yeah a chol that has relations with a woman turns her into a halala. But is there a Torah transgression for her to marry him? You don't find that. Okay, so over here, the Mishnah wants to give over this additional idea that if you have a halal who marries a woman, so that's a case of permitted to the husband, and there's no problem. And maybe that's why we list it. But if not for that specific reason, we would have included this case also in chavei lavin. And since we would have included that case in chavei lavin, we could say. That Petsuadaka also is included in that word, and it's not left out of the Mishnah. And if it's not left out of the Mishnah, I'm just trying to create the whole picture here. If Petsuadaka is not left out of the Mishnah, there's only one case that's now left out, and that is the case of the second generation and first generation Mitzri. So the question is going to be why'd you leave out only one case? Okay. So says the Gemara, no. The Mishnah already told us to call the Marzakh And if every love is already included in that word, why do you got to mention these cases of mamzer? It's a love. Gemara says, no, maybe that case we want to specifically mention as well. Hanami lamihadar misnu. That also is not considered of the, the mission of being redundant. Maybe the mission wants to teach us about a case of a love that's not shavabakol. It's not prohibited to everybody. And the Chiddush the Mishnah wants to let us know that there's yibum even when the first marriage was not a transgression which is Shava Bakol, that's across the board. Okay, some transgressions are across the board. <clears throat> There's, we're going to view it in a more severe way. If it's less, meaning it's only prohibited to some people, well, it's less severe. The Gemara says, Hakatani, but we learned Yisrael, Shaz Mamzeres, Veshli Yach Yisrael, Yisrael marries Mamzeres, and his brother is also a Yisrael, so she's forbidden to, to both. Umamzer Shaz Mamzeres, Veshli Yach Yisrael, or Mamzer marries Mamzeres, is going to be forbidden to the brother. So you see over here, <coughs> excuse me, you see from over here that the Mishnah did leave out other cases. Therefore, the fact that we left out the case of the Mitzri Rishain and the Mitzri Shani does not mean that we did it on purpose. Rather, there are other cases we left out and the and Taka, the Halacha, would hold true. It would hold weight that... It could have been included in the Mishnah, but for whatever reason, we felt like we listed enough cases and, um, and uh, we just left it out. But don't think it's because uh, it couldn't have been in the Mishnah. It could have been in the Mishnah, but there's multiple cases the Mishnah left out. Period. End of that conversation. We're done. We're done. Okay. So again, what was that whole back and forth for a half of Amud? The Gemara brought down a beautiful brisa from Ravdimi again in last parak. That you follow generationally by the mother, if a mother a mitzvah converts, and we asked on him, listen, Ravdimi, if you would be correct, why would that case have been left out of the Mishnah? It must be you're wrong. It must be you're wrong. 
because the case is left out. Twisting one response, no, he's not wrong. The Mishnah left out multiple cases, ton of Ishire. Okay, fine. Here we go. Two dots, Gufa. Gufa, a piece of a previously quoted discussion. Am Rav Yudam Rav Yehuda says in the name of Rav, This is a statement we just gave. A kosher kaihenes is not warned about marrying a kosher. Okay, meaning, Midaraisa, a kaihenes can marry a cholo. No problem. Yeah, fine. Let's say we have a proof from a brisa to Rav's halacha. Now, Rav was an early Amora. So if we could prove he's correct from a brisa, he's in good shape. If you have a cholo that marries a kshira, a kosher woman, my love kaihenes, isn't this referring to a case of a kaihenes, a re'uyaloi, that was fit for him? Okay, this is an assumption. Kosher means, we're assuming kosher means from a family of kahanim. Now, it doesn't necessarily need to mean that, and that's going to be the response. But we're assuming she's kosher from the family of kahanim. My love, Kahanas, Umay Ksher, and what does Ksher mean? Ksher the Kahuna. So you see that a Cholo who marries a Kahanas, it's allowed, it's kosher. That's where Rav comes from, and he's backed up by the Brysa. Says Gemara, no. You know what kosher means? It doesn't mean kosher from a family of Kahanim. The Israelis. He's referring to a Cholo to marry a regular Jewish girl. Doesn't mean she's from a family of Kahanim. Umay Ksher, what does it mean kosher? Ksher the Kol. A regular Jewish girl. That's okay, but maybe. A kohenes should not marry a chal. Says the Gemara, Iyachi, if that's true, the Mishnah says, if he has a brother who's kosher, nami kosher the kahal, kosher is going to mean kosher to klal Yisrael, or like a regular Jew, mechlal, you can infer, to who posel the kahal. What that means is, the original husband was posel the kahal. Now here's the problem. A chalol is not forbidden to a regular Yisraelis. There's no problem. A regular a, a cholo means he lost the status of a coin. Does that mean he cannot marry a regular Jewish girl? No, he's welcome to marry a regular Jewish girl. That's for sure. We know that. We know that to be true. Maula lives on the kahal elalav kain. So rather, it must mean a kain. Umidu kain he kohenas. And since we're dealing with a case where he's a kain, it means that she must be a kohenas. Says the Gemara, meet the area. You're going to have a proof from there. Is that what we're talking about? No, maybe you could say each part of the Mishnah is. Referring to different uh, different people, one's talking about a kain, and one's talking about a Yisrael. Period. Mosiv Ravin Bar Nachman. Ravin Bar Nachman asked the challenging question. It says that Isha Zayna v'Chalala Loyikahu, a woman who is a Isha Zayna v'Chalala Loyikahu, and also a Isha Gerusha Meisha, right? A Gerusha Meisha, a woman who's divorced. From a man, also la'yikachu. Okay, so it says that a kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee, and also a kohen is not allowed to marry an isha zona ish. It lets us know that a woman is usher because of the man. Meaning, the same way a kohen cannot marry a chalala, so too a kohenes cannot marry a chalala. Okay, Amarava. Rava says, no. Whenever a man is usher to marry a woman, she's also prohibited to marry him. It's a two-way street because marriage, you need 
das. You need knowledge on both sides. So if you have a, a Kohen that walks over to the divorcee and marries her, are you going to say it's only the Kohen's problem? No, it's her fault too. She doesn't need to agree to the marriage. It's a transgression on her end. Right? Such as her end as well. You put all the blame on him. And whenever it's not on him, so it's not her either. If it's a biblically allowed for her, biblically allowed for her. If it's not biblically allowed for him, it's not biblically allowed to her. Says the Gemara, Is this halacha of a woman chalala marrying a Kohen and a Kohen marrying a chalala marrying a regular woman? Is it learned out from here? Who does a niyavera of Adam, of men? That's where we know that both men and women are obligated. So don't tell me the sources from over here by the case of Cholo, that it's an equal obligation on the man and the women. I already knew that. So the Gemara is here just questioning, basically, where is the source that whenever you're going to have a prohibited relationship, we're going to focus on both sides of the relationship. Don't, right, we're thinking that we're learning that from the case of halal and halal. So the Gemara says, you don't need that because we're never pre-existing. Says Gemara, no. If I would have learned it out from the Pasuk of any person who sins, the sin of man, I would have thought, that is only a transgression that applies to across the board to every person in Kal Yisrael. But what about a transgression that does not apply to every Jew? For example, something that a Kohen can't do. Go to a cemetery. Marry a divorcee. That's not a Jewish rule. That's a Kohen rule. Like, I would say maybe men and women are not the same by those transgressions. And therefore, by a Kohen as well, we add in a Pesach and tell me that even by a, co- a, a transgression that's limited to Kohanim, we're going to apply that to both men and women. And the Cholol cannot marry the Kohanes, the Kohanes cannot marry the Cholol. Okay? Says the Gemara, top of tomorrow's daf, and we'll wrap it up with this. But what about the case of Kohanim who have Tumah? A Kohen is not allowed to become Tomei. A Yisrael could. I could choose to become Tommy. I'm allowed to go to a Leviah. A Kohen can't. The time of the cause of Rachmana, the reason why women are not allowed, to, women, Kohen is not allowed to become Tommy, is because B'nai Aram V'lai B'nai Sar. If not for that Pasuk, I would have said women are obligated to not become, women are allowed to go to, Kohenas are allowed to become Tommy. Now, the reason is only because of Xeris HaKosuk. The Torah says only a male Kohen, not a female. Now, if not for that verse, we would think that she's prohibited just like a, a, a male kayin. Hava chayavas. My taima, why would I have thought that a woman is obligated for becoming tomei? Isn't it because of the pasuk of Yudam who says that anything that's forbidden to a man is forbidden to a woman? And it applies even to kayin. No, don't make that assumption. That's learned out from, there's an inclusive word of layikahu and things of layikahu that's only going to apply to things that, that happen to every Jew, happen to everybody in Klal Yisrael. However, when it comes to Kohen-specific prohibitions, we're actually going to need that additional pasuk. Beautiful. We're going to hold it here for today. Besim, tomorrow, we're going, to pick, we're going to pick up and end off the Gemara with uh, another approach as to why we need the additional limud, the additional source of a pasuk telling me that uh, of the prohibition uh, that even by 
Kohen-specific prohibitions, it applies to both men and women. We'll hold it here for today. Best time to pick up tomorrow evening. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.